I'm a bit loud in the mic. Um, okay, very good. I've heard about this fan. It's the infamous fan that blows the speaker's notes. Um, so I'll keep my hand here to make sure. <laughs> very good. As always, it's, it's lovely to be here with you. You will... <laughs> You'll notice I, I come unaccompanied today. Uh, the children are down with a bug. Um, so yeah, overexerted themselves at a farewell yesterday and just need to recover. Uh, but I, I bring greetings from them and um, it, it's lovely to be here among family with, with you all. Uh, so thank you for the opportunity to share from God's word with you. Um, I don't know how much you've uh, kept abreast with um, the developments uh, in technology over recent months, um, but there have been a number of developments to do with AI and artificial intelligence and how uh, you, can, you can tell a, a computer what sort of program you want it to make and it designs the code for you. And, you can, you can take a, a, a little picture of what's in your refrigerator and ask a computer and it will spit out recipes of what you can make with the ingredients in the picture. So all sorts of things um, going on with artificial intelligence and technology. And um, there's some people that are saying, wait, this is, this is dangerous. This is all developing uh, way too quickly and computers are going to get incredibly smart and then get rid of us all, and it's, it's the end of the world. Um, the computers are, are going to take over. So there's this big concern amongst some experts. Um, and um, not to get into that, but I sometimes I think there should be even more concern about us so we have been created by a creator with, who had a purpose and an intent in, in creating us. And yet oftentimes we seem to want to go rogue and do our own thing and take over, as it were, instead of live out what it is that, that we were created for. Um, and so if we neglect or disregard the purposes that God has established for us, then we run the danger of wasting our resources and our lives on things which don't even really matter in the long run. So this morning, I'll ask you to please turn in your Bibles to John chapter 20, um, and I'll be reading from verse 21. So John 20, verse 21. And our focus today from this passage will be on how God is on a mission and he is sending us out as his fellow workers in this mission. So a word of prayer before we dive into the passage. Dear Lord God, thank you for the scriptures. Thank you for your word, for your truth. Thank you that we have a friend in you, Lord God, and You've given us the, the assurance that you are with us always. You will never leave us nor forsake us. And we have the privilege to, 
to bring all of our cares and all of our concerns and all of our burdens to you. And yet you have also sent us out as salt and as light into a world that is dark, Lord God, so that we, we, can, um, we can be as light and we can share your truth and the hope that we have that is in you, Lord God. Um, and we can be a part of your mission to, to rescue, to redeem and save that which was lost, um, to draw people from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your beloved son. And so um, give us insight from this passage, Lord God. By your Holy Spirit, uh, speak to our hearts this morning. And um, yeah, may we be stirred to, to serve you and to go out and joyfully be, be salt and light. And I ask this in your precious name. Amen. So it's John chapter 20, and I'll, I'll only be reading verses 21 and 22. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Wow, praise be to God. There is uh, just so much contained in these, in these two short verses. Um, yeah, as they say, sometimes um, yeah, dynamite comes in, in small packages. Uh, I, I preach this the same, from the same passage um, uh, a couple of months ago. And um, it was at our local church, at Baptist Bible Church. And I got a phone call that week from the church office. So on the, on the bulletin, they'll often print out the passage. And so there's, there's a space that they've allocated on the, on the bulletin so that each Sunday they can print out the passage for you. And, um, and, and so I got a phone call and they asked, what, what, what passage will you be preaching from? And I gave them the verses. And uh, the lady at the end of the phone says, well, that's, that's quite short. I've got all this space to fill in. <laughs> um, and she ended up printing it in, in bold type just to fill out uh, the space that she had on the bulletin. Um, but I, I, I feel very strongly that if we, if we can grapple with what's in these two short verses, um, it will do much to to stir us up. That's my prayer this morning, that we would, we would all leave with a sense of the weight of the impact of these two verses and the impact that it should have on our lives. The fact that God is on a mission and he is sending us out as his fellow workers. So let's look at, at some of the context uh, of the verse. So in verse 21, Jesus says again to his disciples, peace be with you. He had already said to them, peace be with you in verse 19. You see, the disciples had been in hiding after Jesus had, was crucified. And it says there in verse 19 that they, they had locked themselves away in a room for fear of the Jews. So even after walking with Jesus, um, those years of his ministry, those three years of his ministry, they had heard all of Jesus' wonderful teachings. They had 
seen the miracles that he had performed. Um, they had experienced the exhilaration of walking alongside him and ministering alongside him. And yet here the disciples were afraid and they had locked themselves away. They knew that their teacher, Rabbi, had been crucified on a cross. They knew that the tomb where he had been buried was now empty. And in verse 18, we're told that Mary, who had seen the risen Lord, had come to them and said, Hey, everyone, rejoice. He is alive. I saw him, and he spoke to me. But when they finally see the risen Jesus, he has to tell them this repeatedly. Peace be with you. Fear not. It is I. I am with you. You have no reason to be afraid. And friends, if we examine ourselves as the church, be it globally or locally or even as individual believers, then I think we would have to admit that sometimes we look a lot like the disciples in verse 19, locked away, afraid of the world outside and its dangers, cowering in fear. And my concern is that sometimes we're so preoccupied with seeking our own safety and comfort that we become very ineffective in our witness. Whenever that is the case, I hope that we would hear these words of Jesus as he spoke to his disciples that day and said to them, peace be with you. And as we hear those words, that it would help us to go from being inward focused and afraid to being missional and experiencing the joy of making disciples, starting from our own homes and neighborhoods all the way to the ends of the earth. So after Jesus had instructed his disciples to be at peace, he then reminded them that he was a missionary. So verse 21 reads, the Father has sent me. The Father sent the Son to earth on a mission. Let that sink in for a moment. We, we speak sometimes about the heroes of the faith and um, great men that have gone before us, uh, men and women of God who have been used mightily of the Lord. And yet Jesus is the greatest missionary that ever lived. He left the walls of heaven and the glory that he shared with his father from eternity past, and he humbled himself to become a man. And he did that in order to fulfill the mission of God. The most famous verse um, in all of the Bible is, is famous for very good reasons. John chapter 3, verse, verse 16, and it teaches us a lot about this mission of God. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And so what is it that motivates the mission of God? It's his love. David Livingston once said that God had an only son and he made him a missionary. 
And that's what we see in John 3.16, is that God's love was a deeply sacrificial love. God the Father's only son would be beset with weakness. He took on the limitations of being human. He would be wrongfully accused. Although he was without sin, he would be punished as a criminal. He would be beaten and bruised, and he would bear the sins of all the world. And you might be hearing what King Jesus had to go through, what the Lord had to go through and experience on our behalf, and just think, what's loving about the punishment that he suffered? Well, it's loving because that is exactly what was necessary in order for God to save us. It was necessary because of our sin, which separated us from him. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. 1 Timothy 1 verse 15. You see, his blood had to be shed as a sacrifice for the forgiveness of the sins of everyone that would place their faith in him. And so we've seen that God's mission is motivated by love. God so loved the world. But it is, an, it is vitally important for us to note that God's love is always grounded in truth. And so love and truth always go hand in hand. The love of God does not sweep our issues under the rug. It doesn't pretend that we are without sin. It doesn't pretend that we have not rebelled against him. It is love and truth. And so every problem within the world can be traced back to the corrupting effects of sin. Remember, God made all things very good, but it was Humanity, mankind's rebellion against God that has brought with it idolatry and envy, greed and selfishness and suffering and untold destruction and ultimately death. Janet read of the, the various nations in the world that are going through war. Um, Needless loss of life, un untold destruction, and it's all, it all boils down to sin in the human heart. And so, friends, I, I do not even need to know you personally for me to know that at some point you have sinned against God. Each and every one of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And that's what Scripture tells us. Everyone has sinned. And the wages of sin is death. The effects of sin are so widespread throughout creation that it is going to take a whole new heavens and a whole new earth to completely do away with the presence of sin once and for all. And that's one of Jesus' promises to us. He, he will come and make all things new. You see, that is the mission that God the Father sent his son on. And so Jesus came and he inaugurated the kingdom. And when he returns, 
he will come and culminate it. And we, we will be invited in. Those of us who trust in him will get to enjoy being under his rule and reign for all eternity. So God, in his great love, he's on a mission to save people from every nation. He so loved the world that he gave his only son. But how does one receive this great salvation and become redeemed? That's the question. The gift of eternal life in a loving relationship with God is only extended to those who believe in Jesus Christ, who place their faith and trust in him. John 3.16 mentions the two possible outcomes of every human life. We either believe in Jesus and receive eternal life, or we reject Jesus and we perish. It is clear-cut, black or white, you are in or you are out. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. God the Father sent God the Son because he so loved the world that he did not want anyone to perish. God's mission addresses our greatest problem, which is sin. And it satisfies our deepest need, which is the need for a loving relationship with him and with our fellow man. And God's mission um, fulfills the purpose for which we were created. We were created to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So John 3.16 lays out the mission of God, which is to save lost and perishing sinners through the missionary work of Jesus Christ. And that mission is motivated by love and it is grounded in truth. And so as we return to our to our, our, our passage, the two verses for this morning. John 20, verse 21 reads, As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So Jesus came on this great mission. And then before he returned to the Father, he said to his disciples, Just as I have been sent, I am now sending you. We see that the pattern or template for understanding how we can be God's fellow workers in his mission comes from studying how the Lord Jesus went about his missionary work. Every page within the Gospels testified to the fact that Jesus was on a mission to save lost and perishing sinners, motivated by love grounded in truth and presenting himself, Jesus Christ, as the only hope for salvation. The love of Jesus is evident in his compassion. It just stands out um, as you read through the gospel accounts of his earthly ministry. In Mark chapter 6, verse 34, we're told that Jesus felt compassion for the large crowd that was gathered because they were like sheep without a shepherd. He was grieved because the people were lost in their sinfulness. For this reason, we're told that 
he began to teach them many things. In Matthew 14, verse 14, we're told that Jesus felt compassion for another large crowd. And so he went about healing everyone that was sick amongst them. His mission involved seeing people, really seeing them, seeing who they are and what they need. He fed a group of 5,000 people, including women and children, and everyone ate their fill, and there was plenty left over. Jesus' love was a love in action. I've always been amazed at how impactful the Kingsmead Church family is beyond the four walls of this chapel. Um, you are... You are a loving church family, and the outreach that you do, um, for such a small church, I, I don't know how aware you are of it, but it is remarkable, um, and the, the Lord bless you for that. You are a blessing to many people in need, um, and well done for that. But I also hope that as we're hearing these words this morning, um, that the Lord is, is prompting and motivating you to, to reach out all the more. Love in action means getting your hands dirty. One time Jesus stooped down and washed his disciples' feet because he loved them and he wanted to show them how they ought to go about loving others. We are told that Jesus loved Martha, Mary, Lazarus, his disciples. We're told that his love was the sort that he would lay down his life for his friends. And there's no greater love than this. If we are honest, then we will admit that this is not an easy message, necessarily. Sometimes... It's hard enough to get along with the people that live under the same roof as us, let alone some of the self-entitled drivers that we have in Arabi. Jesus says to us, love one another as I have loved you. And even love your enemies. Ouch, it's difficult. But once again, it's important for us to note that Jesus' love was grounded in truth. And so in Mark 10, we're told that a rich young man wanted to know how he could inherit eternal life. And he told Jesus that he had been able to keep all the commandments from his youth. So there's, there's clearly a, a bit of a pride problem in this young man. But in, in Mark chapter 10, verse 21, it says that Jesus loved the young man. And because he loved him, he told the young man to sell all his possessions and give the proceeds to the poor and to come and follow him. The young man's riches were so precious to him that Jesus' words disheartened him. He left and he was, he was downcast. You see, his idol, his most treasured possession, was exposed in that moment. Jesus did not overlook people's sin problem. He, 
called out the prideful. He overturned the tables of the money changers in the temple. He pointed out the hypocrisy of the religious leaders. His love was greatly on display throughout his earthly ministry, but it was always grounded in truth. So it's love and truth. Jesus is, after all, the way, the truth, and the life. And so if we are to be God's fellow workers, as Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so I sent you, then in addition to loving people in practical, tangible ways, we also have to be truthful with them. Sin leads to death. And if we are not honest with people about the sin problem, not being judgmental, but pointing others to the same Jesus who has rescued us, the same Jesus who is sanctifying us and working in us and through us, um, by not holding out the truth to, to others, we can only accomplish very little. No matter how much we nourish people and help them with their physical needs, you're in, you're out. But if, if we're not tending to the condition of their souls, telling them about their need for Jesus, we're not helping them as we ought. The culture around us might call us intolerant. It is unpopular nowadays to address sin in people's lives. But that may well be the most loving thing that you could possibly do for someone. And once you have done that, you can point them to the one and only Savior. Because God's mission addresses our greatest problem, which is sin. And it satisfies our deepest need, which is the need for relationship with him. To be restored to right relationship with God, with our fellow man, with creation around us. And to be able to live out the purpose for which he created us, which is to glorify him and enjoy him forever. So may God help us to not delay anyone's salvation, as it were, by withholding the truth from them. Let us tell the world about the salvation, which is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. I only have a few concluding remarks about the last verse. So John 20, verse 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. The general consensus um, among biblical scholars is that this was a foretaste of the gift of the Holy Spirit um, so we see later in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit descends and the church is empowered. Uh, but in, in this verse here in John 20, they're, they're getting a foretaste of that. And the point being made here is a very vital one because the mission of God is inextricably linked to the work of God's Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has to guide our participation in the mission of God. He has to sanctify us and keep us unstained from the corruption that is in the world. He has to lead us into all truth. 
The Holy Spirit has to give us the words when we have none. He has to create opportunities for us to love people practically and be truthful with them, even when it's difficult. And the Holy Spirit has to transform people's hearts. We cannot do that. He is the one who makes it so that they can receive God's word and it can bear much good fruit in their lives to the praise of God's glorious name. And so, as we understand that we are on mission, having been sent out by Jesus, we need to rely on him day by day, moment by moment, trusting in the strength that he provides, not our own strength, not our own resources, because we don't save people. God does. And so let us be reminded that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And I'll close with a quotation from um, a man by the name of Chris Wright. And he had this to say, rather than ask what kind of mission does God have for me, we should ask what kind of me does God want for his mission. Let's close in a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord, for the salvation which is by our Lord Jesus Christ. The finished work of the cross. You have done all of what needs to be done so that sinners like us can be cleansed, can be made righteous, can be vessels uh, of your Holy Spirit, Lord God. Thank you for the fact that you work in us, you work on us. Um, you didn't leave us as, as we were, Lord God. You demonstrated your love for us and that while we were sinners, you sent Christ to die for us. Lord, what a glorious hope we have. And would it be our joy and our delight to communicate that truth to others? Lord, um, there is so much darkness at work within the world around us. And it is easy to despair. And sometimes we find ourselves seeking safety and, and comfort and, and cowering away. But would we, would we take courage in the assurance that you are with us always? that your peace is with us, that we need not fear anything or anyone. Nothing could ever separate us from your love. And as you send us to go, you give us your spirit to go with us. And so may we boldly, Lord God, share your truth with others and experience the joy of being channels of your peace and instruments of your love as we lead others to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And I pray this in your precious name. Amen. We will move on to, um, we'll go straight into communion now. And I'd like to read from Luke chapter 22. Starting at verse 17. After taking the cup, 
he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. When King Jesus, at the Last Supper, shared of the, the bread and the cup with his disciples, he says to them to do it in remembrance of him. And he speaks of the coming of the kingdom in its fullness. And so when we share in, in these symbols, and these are symbols pointing to what Christ accomplished and what he did for us, we are reminded of his body. We're reminded of his body which hung from a cross when he gave himself as a sacrifice for us. He did not remain dead. He rose from the dead, having conquered sin and death. Um, but we are reminded also of his body, the church. And that is each and every one of us that has placed our faith and our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And how he has redeemed us and saved us. And we are in Christ. This is a reminder that we are in Christ. Christ. And finally, it is a reminder that he will return, and when he does come, he is coming to make all things new. And so, we remember his death and his sacrifice for our sake, the greatness of his love for us, and we remember that we have this glorious hope of his return uh, to make all things new. And so, we should be touched by his love and we should rejoice at what he is coming to accomplish when he returns. I'll say a prayer and then I'll, I'll ask the stewards to help distribute any, any elements. Thank you so much, Lord, for that sacrifice. Thank you that we can reflect on it. Thank you, Lord God, that Believers all around the world celebrate and acknowledge and, and look to you, Lord God, that uh, gathered here now, we are a small gathering of a much larger family that makes up the body of Christ. Um, people and nations all over the world, you are the Lord of all, you are God of all, and you, you are about redeeming people um, and saving them, Lord God. Thank you for the glorious hope that we have because of the finished work of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we, as we share in these symbols um, of the bread, your body, of the cup, your blood shed for us, yeah, help us to be mindful, Lord who you are to us and 
just accept the gratitude of our hearts for all that you've done. Amen.